on 98FM and online. This is Phoenix FM. God, I can't believe it. What we've got here is failure to communicate. Welcome to another edition of... Happiness to be found, even in the darkest of times. That system probably contains a new data encryption algorithm. You'll never get in there. Yes, uh, welcome to another edition of The Happiness Algorithm with me, James Roast, the show that talks all things mental health, emotional well-being and what we can do to make us that little bit happier. Now, joining me on today's show, my guest has created an award-winning production studio, a pioneer of live video streaming from some of the largest music festivals. He's also the co-founder of branded entertainment agency, Byte Entertainment. His backstory, however, starts quite tragically. My guest lost his father to suicide as a teenager, and soon after starting his first job, he was sectioned and admitted to hospital suffering stress and depression. Unlike his dad, my guest was able to get the help he needed, including support from his employer, which enabled him to return to a new job the following year. However, my guest decided not to tell anyone for nearly 20 years that he'd suffered with his mental health due to stigma. It was after the suicide of a close friend due to postnatal depression in 2016 that my guest decided he had to speak out. He couldn't have picked a more public platform to do so when he was asked to speak alongside the Duke and Duchess of Cambridge, as well as Prince Harry, at the launch of the Heads Together mental health campaign. Not even his family and friends knew he was going to do this. My guest continues to speak openly about the importance of better mental health awareness and how talking can not only reduce the stigma, but save many, many lives. Please, welcome to the show, Mr. John Salmon. John how are you doing? Hi, James. It's, it's great to uh, talk to you today. Yeah, I'm. I'm doing. Um, yeah, I'm doing okay um, today. Good, good. Well, firstly, look. I mean, it's an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Uh, I know we've spoken before. We've spoken off air, and uh, it's uh, it, it's a uh, it's an incredible journey. I mean, if you will share with um, the listeners. Uh, who you are, what you do, and uh, a, a little of your sort of background. Yeah, so I think kind of, you know, thanks thanks for that introduction as well, James. Um, I think, you know, one of the first things I want to kind of say is, you know, particularly in these times at the moment, it is really difficult. I think we're all experiencing um, through lockdown um, a, a sense where it, a, a, a more stress than we, we would have ever done in our lifetime for a lot of people. And I think for foremost, you know, I, I'll be quite open when I'm kind of sharing my story and the things that 
have impact and shaped my life. But I think also just really, I want to get that there at the beginning of the show, um, that if you're listening to this and you do find that you need um, to talk to somebody or you're not sure where to go to, you know, there's some great organisations out there. You've got the, the Samaritans that can be contacted on 116123. Um, there's a text support line, which is 24 seven um, called shout and you just need to text the word shout to 85258. And if you're yeah, looking for help for a friend or somebody that you know, it's a great website called hubofhope.co.uk. You can just type your pass, um, your postcode in there and that will show you kind of different services about. And I think it's really important that, you know, I, 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 we're going to hopefully have a very open and honest conversation but that we really do as we start to kind of open up and share our stories um, that I'm very aware that there'll be people listening to this um, show today um, that may not know how to help themselves or, or somebody else. So, you know, as we, we, we kind of talk and yeah, talk more today, um, you know, there really shouldn't be any stigma. Sadly, it still exists at the moment about reaching out and, and, and getting help and also if you if you're wanting to help somebody else there is, you know there is tools and, and services um to, to signpost people to um and that that's really james I, I guess kind of yeah now now that i've got that off my chest um well i'm pleased john it's, it's lovely that you actually opened with that as well because i think you know there are individuals that do do listen to the show that are um, struggling or, or, or are in crisis. And often we, we tend to close the show with those, uh, those signposts and, and, and words of wisdom advice, but, but it was really refreshing and lovely to hear you kick things off with that and to actually start with the importance of, uh, that help is out there and that we can, uh, we, we must ask, um, and, and seek help where and when we can. Yeah. I, I, before, I guess, I was very aware, you know, before lockdown and, and, and COVID had, had come along that if I was writing or talking about something that could be triggering, yeah, similarly at the end of the article, I would have mentioned things like the Samaritans or Hub of Hope or Shout. But I, yeah, these are unprecedented times where, you know, everybody's mental health has been impacted in one way or another in the last few months. And, um, yeah, I just think I think now more than ever, um, so many people um, are experiencing challenges with their mental health. Um, that yeah, it's 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 hard to know where to turn. Um, yeah, it 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 is, and I think that um, well, I certainly feel and sense that there's been a, a change over these last few weeks. I noticed that um, interestingly, conversations I'd had at the beginning of lockdown and. Um, there was this, uh, you know, people saying, "Wow, you know, you you must be, you know, busy. You know, people must be really struggling." But interestingly, I think that you know the the basic needs had to be met during those those first stages of lockdown because it was about the, our physical well being. You know, are we safe? Are we, you know, uh, are, are, you know, how can we protect ourselves from this uh, nasty virus, etc. But as we've begun to see that, you know, certainly the lockdown is beginning to lift and uh, certainly not, you know, as the phrase keeps being bandied about the new normal, but um, what I'm beginning to see now is as people not, uh, dare I say, begin to feel slightly more physically safe. Um, now we're beginning to see from a mental health 
perspective, psychological distress, uh, the exponential growth that's going with that, really starting to see people struggling. And hence why I think, you know, opening at the top of the show, you sharing what you do because uh, what you have, uh, because I do want people to reach out and ask and seek help and know that there are individuals, organizations out there that, that, that can support us. And we do need to break that stigma. Obviously a big part of your journey and, and, and your narrative is, is, uh, is to keep pushing that message forward. Correct. Yeah. And thank goodness that there's, these campaigns like Heads Together that started in 2016, 2017 um, were there, you know, because a lot of work in the last few years has been taking place um, with different charities coming together to work collaboratively um, with the media also playing a very good role in um, starting to explore mental health and mental illness more to take away that stigma. So I'm, you know, I think even though it is a very, very challenging time, thank goodness that there has been these campaigns over the last few years that have been chipping away at that stigma that that I've had some very open conversations, even in the last few weeks with friends that I don't think would have happened if those campaigns would have existed um, because they do, you know, especially male friends of mine um, feel more comfortable to kind of at least partly open the door to say I'm not feeling great at the moment um and yeah the stigma if we can remove that stigma from from mental illness and mental health um you know it's something I say quite a lot is that we we all have mental health if we realize that just like physical health we have mental health and just as well as my physical health um that can be sometimes like an eight or nine out of ten um at the moment during lockdown i think uh, my physical health is i'm definitely not walking and getting out as much as mm. obviously um it's taken a bit of a, a, a battering just like my mental health is it can can fluctuate um o- o- over a period of time so yeah i think it's you know it's still we still need these campaigns to reduce the stigma um but, but there's lots of other great individuals that are doing things that actually moving past the conversation and actually turning those words into action and it is that action you know i've mentioned it on the show before for for me like yourself i I think the campaigns and uh are imperative to to shifting uh our relationship with mental health and and creating a movement that makes it more accessible and open um and i believe strongly that we're now at that stage where we have to begin to see action as well thereafter that, you know, sadly when someone musters up the confidence to, to ask for help, uh, there are many services that are strained and bursting at the seams. And, um, and, and, you know, I heard a really awful, sad, uh, tragic story recently where, uh, well, actually my, my recent guest as well shared, shared similar findings that, uh, I had, um, uh, George on last week, who who said that he, George Hodgson, he he said that uh, you know when he was first referred, he 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 finally sort of found uh, was was assessed by an individual that was supportive, but said you know there's going to be an eighteen month wait, and I think that can be devastating for a lot of people. And and like you say, there are a lot of organisations, there's a lot of good being done out there, and uh, and and it mustn't put people off asking for help and even if they're they're you know at the first door they knock at um it it doesn't prove as successful as they would like 
then keep going, keep going. Um, but we must, we must keep talking. Um, now, John, on the subject of, of stigma, um, obviously firsthand experience is that, you know, I'm curious to learn and understand more about, you know, 20 years, uh, it took you to begin to talk about what you'd been through, what you were going through. Tell me more about why that was and why it was such a long, long period of time. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of shame was attached, um, to mental illness, um, for me personally. And as you introduced at the the top of the show, I, I very sadly lost my dad in my teenage years. Um, and when, when I was 17 and, um, yeah, he took his own life. We, you know, when he had been ill, we had kind of kept it very closely within our family, trying to get my dad the right kind of help and support. Um, but, you know, we, you know, we didn't talk openly that my dad was ill. So when he did die, that also was quite a, obviously a massive shock to a lot of people, a lot of friends and, and wider family around that hadn't even really known that he had been that ill. Um, and I've got two older brothers and that that time for us, luckily, I guess, I'm, I'm the youngest of, 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 three, um, of three and we got came closer together, I guess, trying to, you know, as three boys, young 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 boys men um to try and support my mum and my mum is you know very independent and um you know a strong a strong person and I think all of us trying to act strong to support each other but we didn't do it through talking it was more about just a physical presence of being there which did did help us but I was offered no counseling or no talking therapies or or anything to deal with having lost my dad at such an early age and again the nature of how he died I think friends and family around didn't know how to even approach that um it, it it meant that I was again incredibly lucky um when I lost my dad to have a close of you know close friends from from college who you know su- supported me by you know taking me down the pub and and getting me out um but my my friend Steve who I've gone on to doing some work around mental health and stigma you know he that that one friend really helped me during that 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 time of real darkness to kind of get out stay motivated but he he since said to me that he really didn't, you know, know how to support me um, when when I was when I was ill, and so it's you know, I think you know, just looking at you know why I think I got into the problems that I did was because of you know not dealing with my dad's suicide, kind of bottling it up. Um, and not not talking to somebody and it is i i suppose what strikes me is that you're surrounded by at that time at that really difficult and tragic time quite a lot of people as well so 
as I say, your two older brothers and mum, and understandably, you're all going through that that crisis. Obviously, you've got friends and Steve as well. And and almost amplifies the sadness that, as you say, no one really knew, as Steve has, has shared since, that didn't really know how to support you or nobody really knew what to say. Do you think that there's still, you know, aside from mental health and, and, and um, mental illness, do you think that there's still quite a difficult relationship we have with suicide? Yeah, well, you know, I couldn't, you know, I, I say that word a lot more than I than I've ever done in the last few years. But suicide, just the word, is so powerful, and I think because it is, we're scared to say that word in so many different contexts. That actually, by not saying that word, it it gives it. It's a bit like a you know a swear word or something. It, it you know by only saying a certain word infrequently. It gives it more power than it should do. So I think it's, you know, it it's not uncommon for somebody within their life to have, have those thoughts sometimes. And, um, you know, as somebody that has been, been there and, and has felt suicidal, it's, 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 if you can turn to somebody to kind of talk about it, those those feelings will pass you know um i I've, I've known now for my own recovery that when i do find myself in you know if i'm feeling very stressed or anxious um i can i will just i will tell somebody about that and you know the worst comes to the worst i'll just head to the bedroom go and lie down and i'll just take as long as it takes for me to you know, feel that I can kind of, that, that moment has passed. Um, but yeah, you know, as I say, it's taken me 20 years to talk about anything connected with, with, to do with mental health. Um, there were so few role models, um, that were out there during the time where I'd experienced the loss of my dad and also my own mental health problems when I was admitted to hospital a few years later. Um, the, I've, I've I've since gone on to realise it's, it's it's those those few role models that I look back to whether it was you know Stephen Fry, Professor Green, the mental health campaign of Johnny Benjamin, you know there was there was so few people, but the the people that had been talking um, about things like suicide and, and mental illness, um, they they gave me hope. You know they 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 gave me hope that. Um, you know, I can get through these tough times and um, yeah, have somebody to 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 learn from and 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 to yeah, look up to. Well, John, you speak with such um, courage and 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 real openness and honesty, and I and I think that's a real credit to you and and what makes you uh, such an inspiration and puts you alongside. Uh, those you mentioned, Professor Green, Stephen Fry, and Johnny Benjamin as well, and and you know why it is so important for us to own uh, the crisis and the discomfort that that we are going through. And I think you you know you make a really important, well, you, you said a really important statement to me that that st- struck a chord, which is that moment will pass. And I think that you know as you uh, as you sort of paint that picture of being able to 
if if you know talking to someone but if not it's it's you know going to lay down on your bed and and allowing that moment to pass john the what you went through at 17 and and the and the uh, and the years after that um i wonder if you could sort of name or or recall some of the emotions and what they were and what it felt like during that difficult period for you yeah so yeah emotions is is I, I i love that question james because i think you know not just men but it is something that um i think specifically men of my kind of age of how that we've kind of been grown up in school that when it comes to describing emotions we don't even have sometimes the language as men to kind of really describe how we feel you know we talk about being happy or sad or angry um but you know one thing that's really important to me with with having two young children now is to give them the vocabulary to kind of be able to express their emotions and and feelings more um because yeah myself i i found it very difficult um to at the time of being kind of 17 or 18 to even express how i felt felt you know from you know i, I felt sad um i felt angry um you know there was even you know feelings of of relief that you know i'd seen my dad in such um pain and and upset and now he wasn't and then i also felt guilt for feeling that as well so it's you know emotions and kind of having that emotional intelligence you know there's there's very little education that particularly for for men we're told to man up we're told we have a culture of being strong um you know there you know i, I really think that that society has got to to change in that we create a society where it doesn't matter who you are you 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 should be able to kind of express your your feelings and and talk about them openly but i think fundamentally what was a real struggle for me was especially when i was younger i didn't i didn't even know like the feelings that i was feeling if that makes kind of sense um you know yeah no um, it does yeah and um i i wouldn't say i was incredibly academic before my dad died but what that allowed me to do um from a from a work point of view was i really focused on you know blocking out some of those feelings by replacing that with um study so i was able i never planned to go to university but um during those two years very unsettling years at home were probably my most two successful years academically because it gave me an, an escapism to focus on um yeah something else other than what was going on at home and yeah like i guess like any other teenager you know i was going to the pub with mates um you know not overly drinking but you know definitely that that kind of i guess was used as a way to suppress some of those feelings that i had um but we you know it's well reported obviously that the alcohol also has its you know 
depressive natures to it as well as as well as the high of drinking with your mates you've got the the next morning of you know back to reality and um trying to pick yourself up and and dealing with the situation you're in but feelings and emotions um i've i've, I've come on to learn that we need well that we all need to be as particularly as men kind of find the vocabulary in which to kind of express how we feel beyond the words of just like i'm really angry and um i'm i'm, I'm very sad going back to something you said earlier about uh sort of being scared uh do you think that that's where that fear comes from when we can't accurately find the words to represent the emotions or how we feel we then avoid at all costs yes um you know um yeah agree the blocking things out or the sort of internalization of of everything that you're going that you were going through at that time where were you at with your relationship with your brothers what were they doing how were they responding to the grief and and mum as well yeah so at the time I, I was the only one living at home with my dad and um, my mum my middle brother was um, at university and my eldest brother was living um, yeah, um, in London away away from the home so I guess for me I you know I was the one I guess being the youngest um, at home the most um, during while my dad was my dad was ill and yeah trying to trying to balance things I guess of um, you know he would have good days and bad days um, and kind of give a bit more background on my my dad um, he's a, a wonderful man and um, I had a very, you know, I had a very nice kind of upbringing, um, living in Hertfordshire. So for those, you know, 1997, you can start to do the maths to kind of 1995 were, you know, very, you know, happy years. And I've got some, some lovely memories of, of, of my dad and, you know, he was, very entrepreneurial. He had his own business. Um, he um, was a school governor. Um, you know, would loved classic cars. You know, he had lots of different things going on. And you know, his his kind of depression. You know, started. Um, you know, I guess there was probably a number of factors, and because we, you know, he probably felt like he obviously couldn't talk about them earlier on. Um, you know, he, as I mentioned, he, he was very innovative. He developed some of the first underwater housings for cameras that allowed underwater filming. So for some of the documentaries, it was his inventions that allowed us to kind of take a glimpse under the sea. Um, wow. But those, those, that, that business, you know, a bit like we're, what we're heading into now, the, he, that, that there was a recession and he had to close that business and um, he went on to get another job of which, you know, I didn't uh, think he, it was fine, but I guess it wasn't his passion. And um, even though he had that job for a number of years, other things that were happening, I guess, that that, that may have built up to some of the, the stresses that he was going through. So we, we moved house. Um, 
you know, so there was, I guess, a mixture of financial worry or commitment um, that maybe, well, he definitely, as, as children, as, as he did never shared that with me. It's only when I look back to kind of think, how did this wonderful man who was very outgoing, community-spirited, turn into somebody who was really struggling and, you know, wouldn't get out of bed or, you know, lost his appetite, lost his energy for life. Um, it's only looking back on it now to try and piece together what it, what got him to, to that place. Um, and yeah, with, with what I know now is that if I'd had, if we, if we had the education there, um, at an early age of how we can look after ourselves foremost to spot those signs of when yeah things aren't right um and also yeah then having that knowledge where we can also look at how we can help other people that we 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 can spot the signs maybe a bit sooner in in somebody that's struggling um and with yeah with with my dad that's 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 definitely something i know now that with the knowledge I have in the last few years have been doing more around learning more around mental health and mental illnesses that there's a lot that can be done that stops you know that, that can reduce suicide that can stop um, people hitting crisis and having to almost like helicopter in like all the specialists at crisis we you know that's not sustainable financially for the for the NHS and services, and also let's create a society where, you know, we are more kind and more more looking after each other. That, yeah, we we, we spot those signs spot signs earlier because I know with my dad when I physically saw him not wanting to get out of bed, he had been probably struggling with what's been going on in his head for maybe a couple of years before that. Um, and you know that that's the thing I think back to now is you know it was almost like when he you know when he was at his illest it's kind of when I realized how ill he was but actually there's probably things there from years back um, that he could have or we could have as a family worked together more on trying to to figure out you know was having to close down his business you know we never really ever talked about that um i don't know if that was a big thing in his life or or not that impacted on him getting ill but um i know now that i would have been more i would have asked more questions about it and with that in, how, how do you sort of feel about that john when you reflect upon it in that that i wish he was that i'd done things differently Mm. Um, well, you know, I think to anybody else listening to this is, you know, if, if you've been affected by suicide is not to, not to blame yourself, you know, at the end of the day, you, you can do what you can do to support somebody else and to help somebody else. Um, but if somebody has decided that that's what they want to do, you, you know, 
I, I put so much on myself, I guess, over the years of feeling guilt of oh, if I'd only done this, and and they that never goes away. But um, I think most importantly, it, like foremost, you know, you've got to look after your own mental health first before you can look after other people. I'm sure maybe James on on your show people have used the analogy before about being on a plane and when they tell you and go through the safety demonstration they they talk about you know put on your mask first um before helping others and um i've yeah since realized i guess that um i couldn't stop at the end of the day i couldn't stop my dad from taking his life um i know now i would have a better chance of um maybe not stopping that but at least i would have done things differently with the knowledge i have now to kind of pick i would have picked up on those signs and to to try and have that conversation earlier um rather than just you know i think just pretend that things are going to get better and that he's going to snap out of it and um yeah it was a number of years ago as i mentioned but you know things have improved now um you, you mentioned george and the wait for services and and stuff that that's still a problem but it's i think also younger people now are more aware of of their mental health than than any other generation which which is encouraging that they you know that younger generation can also as well as hopefully look after the, themselves and their friends will be able to look, look out for others Mm. yeah uh, and uh, you know they are i think that we are as a result of these conversations and and individuals like yourself being honest and and sharing and being open with yeah you know, the, the 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 tragedies that you've experienced does equip and enable new generation younger generations to come through and see that these emotions that we experience these challenges that we're faced with are okay and and as you said they they will pass but there are elements to these emotions and and often i find that as a society we've created you know we go back to that fear or being scared of certain emotions we've created this way of of, of existing rather than living a, a way of existing uh where we constantly move away well i suppose we're 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 predetermined or, or we're pre-programmed to move away from pain and discomfort but but some things some circumstances some events in our life the emotions won't change you know the tragedy and the sadness that that you've been through and um how you feel and the and the love and the connection that you have with your dad th those emotions won't necessarily change over time so i suppose it's about how do we find room with them how do we continue to live on and find room for some of these difficult emotions. And if we don't acknowledge, accept or embrace them in some way, uh, they're going to cause us problems. And, it, you know, you said to it earlier, it becomes bigger than what it necessarily needs to be. The, the fear becomes greater than it needs to be. And, and I think that's the opportunity through talking, through connecting with others, whether they be friends or family or professionals, it gives us an opportunity to begin to, to connect with some of those emotions in a, in a non-threatening way. They, of course they will still 
be heavy and difficult and complex to work through. Um, but it's, it's so crucial for us to keep moving in that direction. Yeah, agree. John, let's, uh, let's go to a short break and go to your first song. I think it's quite, uh, timely to, uh, to, to go for your first song choice. Um, this is the happiness algorithm. I'm James roast. I'm joined by John salmon and this is his first song choice. In a way, it's all a matter of time. I will not worry for you. You'll be just fine. Take my thoughts with you. And when you look behind, you will surely see a face that you recognize. Till the end of time Open your mind Surely it's plain to see You're not alone I'll wait till the end of time for you Open your mind Surely there's time to be with me
Phoenix FM. Welcome back to the Happiness Algorithm with me, James Roast. Uh, my special guest today is John Salmon, and that was his first song choice. That was, of course, Olive, You're Not Alone. Um, John, that was a well, quite an apt choice there. Yeah, I'm just listening to it. I actually got quite a bit emotional, actually, listening um, to the track. I'm, you know, it's, it's, it's a song very much I attach to that that time of 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 loss of, of of dealing with my dad's loss and yeah i guess feeling alone but i i i, I love that track because it it is quite reflective listening to the to the words um about you're not alone and um yeah i guess it, it's an important message for for all of us to hear it is and a, a, often um you know, music is such a big part of the show for me and, and guest choices. I think that, you know, it's such a powerful medium. And, uh, you know, listening to guest song choices, you you tend to, well, I, I tend to really listen and connect with the emotions and um, and almost the, the songs that you've become familiar with over the years you know such as that almost take on a new form and and a potency that is just truly incredible you know uh and it just fascinates me for you know how music is uh for many such an important part of our existence and and that song obviously is is part of yours um john before uh we took that break obviously we heard uh about that difficult time in your life and and losing your dad at at 17 a very pivotal time in your development as well um I'm I suppose I'm interested to understand where things are at for you now with regards to dad and and you know him taking his life at at that point in your life and where things are at for mum and and your brothers and is it something that he's spoken about um how often is it mentioned where does it sit for you all now yeah it's a brilliant question James it's it's still you know it's still very difficult um as a family with my mum and my brothers to to talk about my dad um we you know you mentioned that when I decided to open up about what had happened the impact of mental health mental illness had been on me and my family I I didn't ask you know I didn't ask for approval to 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 talk openly about it um and there was a part of me that you know it was bizarrely it was easier to talk on such a public platform um about what had happened than to talk to my family and we've got a great relationship and we do you know we know you know when I was ill with my own mental health problems my eldest brother was living in South Africa at the time and the moment he heard that I was ill he he jumped on a plane and and he 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 came there to support me um so you know I'm incredibly lucky that with my brothers and and my mum that we are we are there to support each other. But when it comes to talking about my dad, um, we we don't talk about him as enough 
as we as as we should do um but because so much time has passed um i'm kind of comfortable with that because um i think as 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 long as i know that i've got that support in my family i can start to maybe have those conversations about my dad with my own family and so being a dad myself now and having two kids um before you know they're they're five and and seven so they're still still very young um but even in those you know one thing i noticed that around the house that we didn't hear have pictures of my dad about um and as i started to talk more openly about my dad i realized that i wasn't really talking about my dad to my children and um you know obviously talking about granny a lot um but not not granddad and so you know i made a conscious effort when i started to speak more openly about my dad that we would put more pictures of my dad around the house um for my for my kids kids to see and that we could kind of i would you know be more i would make sure that we talked about him more in the house um to my kids but it's you know it's it's still it's still difficult because i with my brothers and and my mum because by deciding to talk openly about it i'm worried about how they feel and 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 because i know this is they're they're dealing with the same same grief um and they they've dealt or dealt or dealing with it in the way that works for them um and i know that they they've said that they're you know very proud of the work that i've done over the the last few years um around mental health and and talking openly um but it, it's it's still you know it's still not an easy conversation to have um you know it's easier to talk about the weather isn't it and uh then it talking, is it <laughs> talking is. about uh yeah somebody you love that's not 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 here and and going back to a point you made there john what was it about what was the difference then with regards to being able to speak about it on a public platform in the way you have and even today so so eloquently and courageously and openly what what's the difference between at that conversation with with family as opposed to you know speaking publicly it's really strange isn't it yeah to think that yeah to talk on a radio show with you james i, I find this easier than than sitting down with somebody who's yeah closest and and you know dearest for me um and yeah i guess it's it's because you you know the the closer somebody is i guess the more you know about them i guess doing a radio show like this or speaking publicly you're you're not getting that one-on-one feedback and so you can you know i know after this show will finish i will reflect back on what we've talked about but i'll you know i'll move on to the next thing family is a constant they're 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 always there um and that i think after so many years of bottling up um these feelings inside 
you know, when I lost my close friend to postnatal depression um, in 2016, that was really the moment, I guess, that anger came through, that I really felt that this this person that, that tragically took their life, you know, I felt a real injustice that in 2016 that they hadn't been able to get the right help or found that they were able to get the support they needed. And I was I was turning 40. There was there's other things. I just felt confident enough. You know, it's bizarre, isn't it? You kind of, you know, you think you're an adult when you hit your 20s or whatever. But, it, you know, I only felt the confidence to not really care what people thought um, by speaking openly because I wanted to reach out to that person that was in a dark place to tell them, you know, stick with it, hold on, um, there is help out there. Um, and if that impacted on me with my friends that didn't know that I'd been mentally ill or, or work, I felt secure enough that I had the support of my wife and, and my own kids that I, I didn't, you know, I was ready to kind of go into this more vulnerable space but it took me 20 years and um to you know it's taken me 20 years to feel comfortable to speak this 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 openly and you mentioned something there Joe. you said you know you, that point you say the confidence to speak more openly but also that point where you you didn't care what what people thought anymore why do you think we worry so much about what people might think if we say something about whatever it may be in this instance sort of mental health how we're feeling how others are feeling what's right and what's wrong why do we struggle with this so much yeah we we struggle because we've had a society i guess that has 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 told us not you know to to talk about our feelings and to be more open and um that 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 is definitely a challenge that that that's out there um and I don't, you know, it's, I think there's a, a fear maybe of if you do open up that you're putting a burden on somebody or, um, yeah, and, 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 and sometimes not knowing how to, to open that conversation with, with, with somebody um, it has, has, has also been very difficult. Um, there's a very good campaign um by time to change which talked about um this is all time to change is all about challenging the stigma associated with um mental health and mental illness and they did a campaign called ask twice um whereas you know when we we're asking somebody how they feel our usual response is yes i'm fine i think at the top of the show you ask how i was and i, I probably gave you some very like yeah i'm okay um, <laughs> yeah. response and the you know the idea of the ask ask twice campaign was to like ask again and it was like you know no you know how are you really how, how are you at the moment um and so yeah i think it, 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 it it's, it's it's learning these different ways that we can start to 
um, yeah, talk to each other and, and start these conversations. It, well, it is, you know, we're such habitual creatures um, that the Ask Twice campaign is, is, is so clever to, to, but so simple in the sense, like you say, you, you know, we, we give these uh, quite reactive answers, well-conditioned answers. Um, and I think there's, it sits both sides of the fence. One, it's for the individual to have the confidence or to reflect and think carefully about where we're currently at, to check in with self and to, to you know, as we said before, yes, there's going to be a difficulty sometimes to find the words that accurately, put my teeth in, accurately represent how we're feeling. Um, but it's the gesture to self, the gesture to self to consider where we're currently at. And as I say, the other side of the fence, cultivating a confidence within the individual that's asking, how are you doing today? And not fearing what the response might be. We go back to what we spoke about in the first part of the show around, you know, things all being bottled up and things not being spoken about so much. And that was a product of society and a a product of its time that we just kind of got on with stuff. Um, But as we know, and, and as I say, firsthand experience, again, it's, it's it's quite a destructive mechanism to keep bottling things up inside. Yeah, completely, and and that's why I, you know, it was bottling up what had happened with my dad that meant that yeah, in my first job, um, kind of turn of the millennium, nineteen ninety nine, kind of leaving university, moving to London, that you know, um, kind of working long hours you know it was the start of the internet going going out a lot that that I guess that's where I felt you know that that I I I found myself in this this situation where I woke up one morning you know being very stressed and very anxious um yeah because because I hadn't opened up and um you know I hadn't even spotted the signs in myself that I was actually hitting a crisis point john share a little more about uh, obviously what that looked like and you know there's obviously that the lack of uh awareness of of hitting that crisis point but what what were the behaviors that you was exhibiting you said before you was obviously at that age where you know you're out with friends and drinking and alcohol was 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 uh was a useful tool or mechanism to block some of the things out. Um, but what was life like during that period for you? Yes. Yeah, so, so the period before, um, yeah, I got very, very ill. Um, yeah, it was incredibly exciting. It was, um, you know, finished university, moved to London, was living with my girlfriend. Um, I, I loved the fact that yeah this thing called the internet was coming along and it's kind of being made up as we go was we were going along and um you know trying to convince people that actually um you could buy things on the internet and um you know i it was is you know i feel incredibly lucky to have had the career i've gone on to have um seeing such dramatic change and what technology has brought about um is incredible but but that that period of time of of excitement in that in my first job um 
I wasn't asking for help. I guess I, I was thinking, oh, I don't really understand this. Uh, I won't talk to my line manager about it. Um, I'll try and figure it out. Um, and and then, yeah, if you kind of touched on the kind of the culture of, of that time was it was the dot-com boom. There was a lot of money in the industry between, you know, every week there was a different website that was launching with a fancy party um, that you would go to. When people joined the company, there'd be drinks down the pub. When somebody left, there'd be drinks down the pub. Um, and I think that, that mix of being so early in my career, not um, not asking for help within a work context that actually I didn't really know certain bits of my job or you know the the I think when when I was at college and, and university that it felt more collaborative and I think for a lot of people when you go into your first proper job um there probably is a lot of self-doubt there and thinking oh my goodness am I going to get past probation and all these other things and maybe yeah not not, not feeling confident enough in the job but actually it is your, you know, I now know it's your first job. <laughs> it's completely normal that, and well, not just your first job, but in any job that you should always be asking for help if you don't know how to do something. Um, but I didn't. And, um, you know, so the, maybe I always kind of think for an outsider looking in, they, I think they probably would have spotted the signs that I was potentially on the way for a kind of, a psychotic episode or some sort of mental health breakdown because of looking back at what how I hadn't dealt with my dad's death you know I went to university I went to Bournemouth lovely place to go um and you know it's a great escape for me to go to Bournemouth uh, and then go go to to go start start work in London but because I hadn't dealt with my dad's um death then taken on the stress of work that it for me it it erupted like a volcano so for me personally it it was completely out of the blue I I woke up one morning my my girlfriend had already gone to work and I remember looking outside of the curtains of uh, out the window out, out out of our flat onto the road and I I really believed that people were watching me um and that i was you know there was under surveillance and i felt incredibly anxious and so so worried and it was in the time of you know kind of days where you could remember people's phone numbers and i was able to call my middle brother who at the time lived in 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 london not too far away and he was able to pick me up realized obviously talking to me on the phone um that something wasn't right and you know got me picked me up got me um in the car and took me back to my mum's and it was it was there that um once I was at my mum's that um you know it's all very very hazy but it was soon that I was you know admitted to the same mental health unit that I'd visited my dad only a few years ago um previous to that and finding myself on a ward um sectioned under the mental health act and um 
very, very, very confused. And, you know, I, I, I spent, um, you know, a few weeks in there and my, my notes that I've still got now with a very scrawly doctor's style writing where you can only understand every third word um, or read every third word talked about me having a, a, a psychotic episode brought on by by stress of 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 work um and i was off i was off work for a for a year and my employer at the time um was good at supporting me um at first you know my i did get i, I was able to get out of um hospital just before the turn of the millennium so i got to see um the start of the new go going to 2000 um, but I wasn't better. I I wasn't psychotic. But what had, I guess, happened to me was some something that had, I guess, erupted. You know, with medication now had been, I guess, muted. But once I got back from hospital, I still wasn't being given access to to talking therapies. You know, there wasn't. You know, as far as. Um, the doctors and and that at the time it was like oh well yeah John's okay now he's not a risk to himself he's not a risk to others um and that that period of being back home with my mum I was getting more and more depressed um and you know I I did find myself in that 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 space where I just thought it wasn't worth me being here and you know thank goodness I, you know, I am still here today. Um, but it's, it was such a, a difficult time. Um, and, you know, kind of talking back to you about it now, it, 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 it always just strikes me that if there had been that earlier intervention to, to get the right kind of help earlier, which was for me personally, what really helped was, was, was talking. Um, and, you know, after I'd attempted to take my own life, very, very luckily, my, we realised that my employer had private medical health insurance cover for me. And I feel so lucky that it was through that medical health care that my employer provided me, which is the one thing that got me the right, right help in the end, um, which which just shouldn't, you know, just, I feel obviously incredibly lucky that I was able to get the right help, but that's, that's not a society where we should be in, where those that are fortunate to have an employer that pay, pays for private medical health insurance, or those, the wealthiest in society are the ones that can actually access the right kind of help for them. Um, and I guess I, the, you know, talking of feelings, there was a feelings of of guilt again with that. That I, you know, why wasn't my dad able to access that that help? Um, you know, which fundamentally is what what I, I attribute to kind of saving my life. Well, guilt seems to be a thread that is that is weaved and laced throughout the story, and 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 an emotion that you know many many um, experience, and and I think. It's such a complex emotion and and an emotion that we we grasp at sometimes when 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 we're in this state of turmoil 
John, there's there's so many questions that sort of, you know, bubble up and flood to the surface. And if I may sort of pepper you with some that, you know, when you talk about that period um, in the run up to sort of waking up that morning and uh, your girlfriend going off to work and looking out the window and you mentioned about other people would have noticed probably you know that you you were on a slippery slope and you were struggling what what were some of those behaviors then that that people may have noticed that you were exhibiting yeah so I think it would have been yeah just I was out every night I guess I was I was I was working late and then out late um I was getting up you know leaving the house quite early as well um things you know exercise those kind of yeah talking to to friends I guess kind of those kind of conversations I'd probably stop talking to my college friends at the time um and I think also being in London the big city city that it is um you know a bit bit isolated in a in, in a way I didn't know it at the time but you know I really you know, it was a, you know, the the girlfriend at the time trying to, you know, be a good boyfriend, uh, but, um, yeah, I, I think it is, you know, it it was it was probably yeah the lack of sleep, the the lack of exercise, um, and the not kind of the not talking, um, you know, I think you know always be very outgoing when 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 seeing friends um you know i enjoyed going out and seeing people um but yeah i think if somebody was to take more of a forensic look um back on you know those different moments where i wasn't asking for help or or talking about how how i was um would have been those indicators And and i now know I'm very much aware how important um, doing a bit of exercise is, talking, um, talking to myself, checking in, and 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 seeing how I'm doing today. So lockdown has has made it a bit more challenging, but I I I always try and buy, go and buy myself a coffee. And I'm you know I'm not I like coffee, but it's not the be all and end all. But the reason for getting that coffee for me in the morning is a is literally a moment for me to check in on how I how I'm feeling you know what have I got coming up today what 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 are the challenges um again as I mentioned did I sleep well last night sleep pays I think such an important role in our our health and well-being and for me sleep I think it can be one of the first indicators where something may not be right if I'm not I'm finding it hard to get to sleep or if I'm waking up early it's it's looking at these indicators in myself now that I can say oh why is that um so Mm. yeah yeah well I'm a massive massive believer that um uh, behavior is always a line of communication and um often I refer to it with with children uh, I think they, they they exhibit it extremely well um, because they they obviously have uh, a shallower 
depth of or a shallower repertoire of, of language skills, younger children as well. So they often display uh, their internal landscape through behavior, externalizing what they're experiencing. And, um, and quite often, even in adults, when we're, you know, as we've said throughout the show, when we're struggling to find those words, we can we can often exhibit that through our physical form or, or our behaviors. Um, and, and even if we, we're not consciously aware of it too. So if we're not able to find the words and we're trying to check in with ourselves, it can come out in a physical form, but equally if there's a lack of consciousness there, or, you know, we're not connecting with how we're truly feeling, we can see it through, as you rightly point out, sleep disruption or increased levels of alcohol, food consumption, excessive exercise as well. So, um, yeah that's uh thank you john i'm 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 grateful of you sharing that um john let's move on to your let's go on to your second song choice if we may um so stick with us here on the happiness algorithm my uh, guest today my special guest today is john salmon and this is his second song choice Yeah. 
Phoenix FM. Welcome back to the Happiness Algorithm with me, James Roast, uh, and my very special guest today, John Salmon. And that was his second uh, song choice. That was five. Keep on moving. Uh, John, what a, what, a, what a blast from the past that was. Yeah, well, when, when you were asking me to, you know, pull together the, the tracks, um, you know, I guess that was, you know, what I guess I'd call as a guilty pleasure. Um, sometimes, uh, I guess through the years, it is a blast from the past to have not openly admitted that um, actually that, that song has been incredibly important to me. Um, and though, though the words and when that song was released, um, you know, as I mentioned, it was it was it was difficult for me to get out of bed, you know, to to make that even the simplest thing of kind of getting up, getting out out the front of the house um, was a real kind of struggle. And I guess, you know, five um, and the message, you know, get on up when you're down, you know, kind of really resonates with me. And, you know, on one hand, it can be listened to as a kind of a boy band, kind of cheesy kind of track. Um, and, but it, 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 that track has really helped me over the years. It's, it's a track that I, that I go back to when I'm needing, um, you know, a bit of a, bit of a kick, a bit of a motivational, you know, keep on moving and, and moving doesn't have to be running marathons. It, it literally can be, you know, getting up, going and make yourself a cup of tea, going, going back to bed again. I think you can, you know, you can take the full on energy of the song and move mountains maybe with it. But, but, but I, I, I like to interpret it as actually being that, that motivation to keep on going, just, just, you know, keep, yeah, keep on moving. Well said, well said, John. And I, I think that's, it's an intrinsic part of sort of equilibrium and balance for us that, that we're, that we're constantly moving as part of that ongoing evolution and development of self. And I think when we're static, often, you know, crisis and periods of challenge um, represent static or, or, or being stuck a numbness that we feel. And I, and I agree, I think when we're, not necessarily in perpetual motion uh, physically, but but we are growing and we're evolving. I think that, you know, moving is an important part of, of where we're at. And on the subject of, of movement, John, obviously before that break, we, we touched on your admission and, and your hospital stay. And, uh, and, and you mentioned confusion, feeling confused at that time. Um, and it got me thinking about, you know, that, that period of stay you spent there and the notes, the hospital notes uh, that you mentioned, what were the emotions and what was that transition through that journey up until discharge? And, and what do you remember of that period other than the confusion you mentioned um, and, and namely some of the feelings that you felt? Yeah. So it's, you know, I sometimes look back on that time and it's, it's, it's hard to distinguish you know, reality from from fact. It, you know, um, I have so little information that's that's written about that time I was in hospital. Um, the and it, and those days just all kind of blur into a, to one day, if that kind of makes sense. It's almost like 
that that period that I was in hospital, it I don't think oh, I went in on the Monday. This happened on the Tuesday. If I look back at it in my own head, I just see it as bizarrely as almost one day of just complete confusion, um, being really, you know, not happy, not just not comfortable in myself, and um, you know, you know, just yeah, really. It was almost like you know a lot of your your senses being kind of some really heightened in heightened and then others were were really really dull um i remember you know being around other people um that were obviously going in the in that hospital through some very difficult times but i i remember feeling that i felt i shouldn't be there and there was definitely a feeling of why am i here with these other ill people I'm, I'm not ill, but then I kind of probably obviously knew I was ill. Um, I was given, I think, a lot of different medication as as well, which it's hard to know that that slowed me down as well. I think physically it 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 slowed me, um, and yeah, very very disconnected. Is, is is another feeling that I didn't feel connected to the people in that hospital. Um, yeah, as I mentioned, I I didn't feel I should should be there, um, and I thought you know certain there were certain tests going on, you know that maybe I was having to to do something in the right way that would then get me out of uh, out of that that hospital. And but it was just you know a very, very very confusing time, and I'm sure for my mum and family as well, um, you know a very very worrying time for them as well. And even uh, so, even during that stay, that there was still a sense of paranoia around you know believing that you had to you know, the tests that, that, that were being done that you had to sort of conform and get things right to, to, to be discharged. Yeah, completely. I remember sitting down with my brother and, you know, you could choose what food that you wanted that day. And they had these, you know, the, uh, these tick boxes. And I think it was like back in the day where they could scan the form and it, the computer would then work out everybody's selections for food. And I think there's these like little boxes I had to like colour in and to me, I was like thinking, oh, is this a test? Do I need to colour in a certain box? And that, you know, there was some just the thoughts going through my head with just, yeah, all jumbled up. Um, and yeah, the, it, it was just a very, very, very confusing time. Obviously, now I know at the end of the day, they just wanted to know, did I want a ham sandwich or or soup? Um, but mm. um at that time I was I was so confused um and yeah it you know there were really good nurses that were there um I would remember that would would sit by my bed waiting for me to, to fall asleep I'll, I'll never forget kind of waking up and um there was somebody sitting on a chair at the end of my room 
and their job was just to 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 watch me and look after me i guess but um it was you know um i, I thought it was like i was trying to i guess during that time that i was in hospital uh, to me it felt like i was it was a test and i'd got to figure of my my way of how can i convince them that i'm okay to to get out of this um part of the hospital um and you know i guess yeah i was able to do that I, I was only i was in there for a few weeks not months like some of the other guests and people that you you've spoken to that that have felt, found themselves um in hospital for for longer periods of time so um yeah it's a, it's yeah and there's things that i've had dreams about in previous years and i'm like did that happen or or not but i think i just have to kind of put a box around it and as much as i would want to try and delve and understand more about that period of being in hospital i think there's there's part of it that i accept it for for what it was it was at the time it was seen as the best place for me to go to to look after me um and yeah there's there's definitely improvements and there's improvements that is already happening within mental health services to help people um that weren't there when i when i was ill um but again there's still much much more that needs to be be done because at, at the end of the day there still is if you are sectioned and you're you know you you have to be in hospital there there's there's so much stigma around that happening to somebody but what why should there be that stigma there if a hospital is all about going to somewhere to get better um you know again we talk about physical illness or you know if you have cancer you know there isn't that stigma now luckily about going to hospital to get that help to get better but i um yeah, definitely for me, there's been such stigma about being going going to that hospital um, and 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 admitted in the way that I was. Mm. And I and I admire yourself and and many others that that are working to break that stigma because, as you quite rightly say, there are there's layers and textures that go with this. There's obviously the conversations about mental health. There's there's increasing awareness and knowledge of of mental health and mental illness and then there's you know we we touched on it earlier words such as suicide and situations such such as that and and uh and and being sectioned and the taboo aspect almost that that goes with that part of it i almost feel like we're we're getting somewhere with regards to mental health but there are still these there are still these darker points that people begin to squirm in their chair when you mention sectioning or being sectioned or suicide and self-harm yeah. even to some extent and there's still these parts and I, and I think that that is such a crucial part of of the story and the journey and the conversation that's had about these and you know and and and, and everything you do John is 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 so important it's so important to society and so important to so many people not only that are in crisis but those that that are not that that want to understand and are willing to understand and that's why we have to keep having these conversations in the way that we do yep ag ag agree and yeah we can take the 
the stigma side away of it and yeah learn from others that have 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 gone through these experiences because yeah i definitely felt i couldn't talk about these things so openly even a few years ago because i thought it would impact on me you know finding a partner to to live with to have children or get a a job or all all of these things and that that just shouldn't be the case it's um we we shouldn't be having creating a society that penalizes an individual if they've gone through a period of time that's been mentally tough for them or if they've got ongoing challenges with their mental health um it doesn't stop that individual being a member of of society and and somebody that that can contribute so much um to the world but i think we've we've definitely sadly put in a box people that have had these these different challenges with their with their mental health and almost thought oh well we'll well keep a bit of distance from john or that person um or yeah um and kind of either walked around in eggshells around kind of that person um because of a lack of knowledge a, a lack of understanding um around what that person's going through but at the end of the day they're, they're you know i think as we all know we've all got mental health and maybe we haven't experienced the extremes that i may have gone through but i think hopefully a lot of people that who are listening to this either themselves or other people they know who have, have had challenges with with, with their men, men, mental mental health do you think john that's why it it took 20 years to to find the confidence to sort of rid yourself of the fear because of the stigma that was there before and and you mentioned earlier that sort of that, that almost ripening and maturing aspects reaching that point where we no longer cared what other people think sort of out of the back of that period of crisis was there still this overwhelming sense of you know people are people will judge me because of what I've gone through completely yeah um yeah there was it's no... almost a tragedy continues doesn't it sorry to interject there it's almost the sadness continues on you're still in that period of suffering so you've been through crisis but still there is a sense of suffering because you, you, you're fearing what others think and whether that be relationships or work you're almost you know i'm not i'm not uh, you know making that assumption but it's almost this sense of fraudulence or this lack of true self being present because of where we're at emotionally and what we believe society expects. Yeah, agree. And yeah, it's a whole topic in itself, I think, as 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 well. There was, you know, I felt by opening up and and sharing my story, I felt a massive weight lift from my shoulders. Um there there's also times though that I kind of, you know, worry that I've shared too much and and, you know, I I know that with a lot of campaigns that are hap- happening at the moment, that that as well as it's great to create a society where people feel more open to talk, I think that we also need to get the right balance as well. That 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 people don't feel they have to talk. So you know you you don't Absolutely. have to be as you don't have to be as open as I am. Um, you know 
some just saying to somebody, um, oh, you know what? A few years ago, I had a bit of a problem with 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 my mental health. You know, or some sort of acknowledgement. You know, is is a massive stride than where that where we were even a few years ago. So, you know, I guess I I guess I I'm now very open and I feel feel that that confidence to um to talk about it it's still there's still days james where i do think oh you know why why was why did i share that or but that is completely normal i now know that where i you know i'll kind of have a bit of a debrief whether that's with with my wife or or friends to say i did this talk on the radio today and um it brought up feelings about my dad or, or whatever but you know, I now know to do that. And I guess with, especially with other people that are thinking about sharing their story, telling stories really, you know, that is what gets people listening and hopefully starts to bring about change. But also to anybody that's that's wanting to do that is, is making sure that you're looking after yourself as well. And I mentioned Time to Change earlier. Um, if, you, if you Google Time to Change, They've got some great resources there on their website that if you did want to kind of start to kind of talk more openly about your lived experience, they've got some great resources there on, on how to do that. Yeah, absolutely. And, they, you know, we will we'll definitely um, uh, maximise and build on some of those signposts later in the show as well, because we know time to change is, is, is an important part of your journey and, and what you stand for and um, campaign for and and you know for me this is it's these uh movements organizations that we have to um begin to share so much more conversation in and around because you know we as we said earlier in the show we know a lot of local services are 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 at bursting point and um and i I, like you and, and many others don't want to see people struggling or or to feel as though they're being turned away because there are many other organizations there's many other opportunities to access information to feel heard to feel understood um and and going back to a point you made there you're right again it's not a it's not a one-size-fits-all approach we don't all have to uh, adopt a, a, a complete openness um there is a continuum or a spectrum that we sit on and sometimes it's just either the gesture or the effort we make to to say where we're feeling to your point earlier and and other times it's it's having the confidence to to share more but no one has to feel that there is this this black and white principle that that has to be applied to to where we're at and what we're feeling and and I think you know that's an important point you make there John now I think we should we should play a third song of yours because as the guests will um, now realize is we have got, uh, well, it's a bit of a treat actually. Uh, We have a plethora of songs lined up today. Uh, We've got three song choices uh, that that form part of John's story, but equally you're going to be blessed with another three song choices thereafter because of what John does now and and an important part of his work is to do with music and we'll 
We'll talk about these more after this break. But this is John's third choice. Uh, uh, when we come back, we'll talk more about um, what John does now about uh, Bite Entertainment and the work he's doing uh, as a mental health campaigner and uh, and share some of the uh, learning that John's taken part of his journey and, and what we can do perhaps to, to add more value to our lives as well. So stick with us here on the Happiness Algorithm. Uh, I myself am James Rose. My special guest today is John Salmon, and this is his third song choice.
Phoenix FM. Welcome back to the Happiness Algorithm with me, James Rose. My special guest today is John Salmon, and that was uh, the Doves. There goes the fear. Uh, well, John, look, another great song choice, and and again, fitting to to the story you tell and the point we get to about losing that fear and beginning to uh, to talk more about your journey. Yeah, I love that track. Um, you know, there goes the fear. You know, it, it fits in perfectly um, with how, what we're talking about t- today, I guess. And, but but that song, when it came out, um, is something I, that song I've held very closely to me um, as a bit of an anthem um, that, 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 that lifts me up. And, you know, we, we talk about, you know, touched on music and music has been the the one thing that has really helped me um you know on my road to recovery and and you know some people have football and 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 other things but for me you know the power of music um it can really help my mood and also when i was not at my my best it was it was getting those gig tickets to like to go to see bands like doves play and you know having that in my diary you know three four five months in advance was even if i was feeling in a tough place now booking to see like a band like doves play at the time when i was still feeling very very fragile it it gave me something to look forward to and it was like well even if i'm not feeling great today hopefully by the time that that gig comes around um I, I, I may be feeling better and you know and once you're seeing live music um for me that that is my that is my football that that is my escape and um yeah doves were have been definitely one of those bands that that helped me kind of get out and um start to yeah get 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 back to a certain sense of normality well, it is a wonderful outlet, and like you said, it is it is your football. And, and speaking to guests on previous shows as well, having that, having an outlet, having something you can lose yourself in is so is so important for our our sense of balance. And uh, and to go back to something you said earlier in the show, and I think it's a it's a fantastic strapline that it will pass. This mo- moment will pass, and and for having something, whether that be through sport or whether that be through music, where as I say, you can. You can indulge yourself in, lose yourself in. It carries you through that difficult moment quite often, or those periods that that we're often uh, challenged with. Um, now, John, we must talk about Byte Entertainment. We must talk about what you're doing, uh, and and what the what the next sort of six, twelve, eighteen months look like for you, and what you hope for. Yeah. So. I think, you know, a lot of what I've been talking about today has been about reducing the stigma and, and, and talking. And when I first started talking, there was definitely part of me in my head of like going, it's great to get the conversation going, get the nation talking more about mental health. But there was a part of me that also said, well, if we all start talking about it and we already know that services are under pressure, um, well, that's going to make things worse, surely. And I guess there's a short-term worry that, yes, as we become more 
kind of talking about mental health and and how it impacts us that 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 may be the case but i think what has been wonderful to see especially over the last few years different groups that have kind of come up um to support people as well um so yes yeah, some of the work that I've, I've 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 got involved in is trying to look at other outlets that that go beyond just talking um and with a, a couple of people i help set up um an event called what's going on in your head and before lockdown these were quarterly shows um based in covent garden where we picked a theme a certain theme um so we've covered things like um depression and body image um and anxiety and we've kind of explored these kind of different um themes with people that have lived experience of that theme um through poetry music and performance and i think you know generally the audience that would attend those events didn't have much knowledge or understanding of, of those different conditions and i think we've all got an opportunity um now to to look at how we move and get involved in things that are more than just talking and um what i love about what i've been doing with what's going on in your head is that we've created this platform and now within lockdown we've actually gone from doing them four times a year to doing them every month um and doing them online and embracing the kind of limitations of the technology um to bring people together for a live show um and create that kind of connection but actually when somebody performs on what's going on in your head they may have bipolar disorder or they may have exp- experienced some real form of loss or or trauma but actually you see that person on that on that stage currently a virtual stage as somebody that's written a really great great track or a poem or has something to perform and i think that's what 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 we should be doing now is looking at ways that we can go beyond the talking and and using the arts and creativity to get a kind of a deeper understanding and and seeing beyond a particular mental health diagnosis or or condition Mm, I love that absolutely love that and and I couldn't agree more with us looking to go that little bit further with it now so breaking that stigma but what else can we do and how can we make it more accessible for individuals um and obviously on that you know there's there's two two tracks that um you know when we was we was talking off air and before the show that you know uh, the music forms such an important part and the songs we've had played so far are, are, are pertinent to your journey but but up until now and where you find yourself you've actually uh contributed and 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 sort of almost co-produced uh two tracks that we're going to hear now as well um one being uh, talk it out by by neil avery and and, and nigel uh, planner um and obviously the make somebody smile the homeschool beatbox all-stars um tell us a little bit more about those tracks john yeah so I, I set up Vite Entertainment um, with a good friend of mine that I've worked with o- over the years. And we, we created Vite Entertainment quite selfishly as a, a company where we could work on projects that we wanted to work on and with people that we wanted to work with. And um, Talk It Out came about from a music and men's mental health group that I attended. And I met um, Neil Avery, who'd 
written this song called Talk It Out and and he played it to us in a record shop one evening um, in this, this this group that uh, that I attended and um, I offered to help to to pull together um, a music video um, to support that track and you know that was that was a really great collaborative effort and you know within you know if you if you google um go onto youtube and and look for for talk it out you'll see the music video there and it was lovely that we've got scenes within a cafe and, and the people within the cafe are, are different kind of mental health campaigners and people that are kind of important to that song and then the the other one that you you mentioned that has been a, a project that has come about through um lockdown um is with an incredible beatboxer called sk shlomo and he had a tour planned this year of i think a hundred different venues around the country um he's a beatboxer that has a an adult show and and a kid's show and he you know he, he with through his kid's show he teaches um beatboxing to to kids and um but actually what's at the heart of of his shows is actually giving kids the, the confidence to to express themselves and um i got talking to Shlo, and he had this idea of of putting on um yeah this 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 weekly live show um for kids um to actually um you know give them those skills but also they over the course of six weeks um they helped um input into what this song was going to be that they would create in a six week and so the second track that you're going to hear is the culmination of all that work that Shlomo and all these kids around the around the country did um, and so yeah if you want to find out more about that it's now released as a charity single raising money for NHS Together and Charities and Black Lives Matters um, yeah check out beatboxadventures.com and um, yeah I'll let you play a couple of those those tracks well i tell you what we'll do i think we should uh i think we should hear the homeschool beatbox all-stars first i think we'll kick that one off as part of the show and then we'll save and play out the neil avery track um at the end of the show because i think it, they're, they're both very very important songs but but the the story behind um shlomo's work and, and what you've done with them is 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 so is so wonderful so uh let's go into that track now so this is um make somebody smile by homeschool beatbox all stars
Phoenix FM. Welcome back to the Happiness Algorithm. Well, if that hasn't made you smile, then I don't know what will. Uh, what a great track there, John. Lovely, um, uh, well, a lovely message behind it and what a great project to be involved in. Yeah, it's, it, it really helped, um, I think, so many people, that project during during lockdown. Um, yeah, and to, to have created, you know, for Shlomo and everybody involved to have created such an amazing track, it is um, it's lovely hearing it all back in all, all the kids' voices. Excellent. Um, John, before we close, let's, uh, if you could share with all of your sort of social media handles and your um, um, and web addresses and, and how people can get in touch and follow what you're doing and be part of uh, the, the movement and also just the, 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 the campaign. Uh, and you've touched on it before about heads together and, and where people can get resources from um, share with some of those contact details, if you would, please. Yeah. So if anybody, I guess the easiest place to find out a little bit more about me is my website. So my name is John Salmon, um, but it's, it's John without an H. So it's um, john-salmon.com. Um, and there you'll be able to find uh, my links to my Twitter and um, Instagram. Um from you know we, we we talked at the beginning of the show that i think it's so important that we know where to get help um for the for ourselves or, or others and and you know hubofhope.co.uk is that great resource where you can it's an app and a website where it will signpost you to different resources around the country um so i really recommend that and um yeah the you know i think you know if you are hitting kind of crisis you know the samaritans give them a call on 116123 and shout which is i talked about the heads together campaign um the legacy from that 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 campaign has funded a text service called shout and so if you don't want to actually talk to somebody and you'd rather text and you just text shout from your phone and and to eight five two five eight and that will put you in contact with a human being who you can talk to over text if you if you are at crisis excellent thank you john uh john i have taken so much from today's show what an absolute um honor it's been to to have a to share a conversation with you and um and to share a microphone and 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 talk in the way that we have and and you to to be so honest, uh, I think that the the way that you communicate and will connect with with so many, and and I urge those that are struggling to um, heed some of your advice and and make contact and send text messages if you can, and and find something that can enable them to reset themselves, whether it be through sport or you know, as we've said on today's show, whether it be through music. Um, I, you, you are a, a true inspiration, John, um, and I will continue to follow everything you're doing and support all of the projects that you are involved in, um, in, in the coming months and years and, and on onward, really. Um, we must close the show there. Sadly, we've come to an, a, another end of a show, but um, what a belter it has been. Before we close, we must end in the style that we have become accustomed to and ask Mr. Hanks uh, what he thought of the show. So, Tom, how did today's show go? I'd say that was a pretty successful broadcast. 
Thank you very much. I would agree with him as well. Um, we're going to play out with a different song uh, this week, which obviously uh, we've said before, this is the new Avery track that, that John uh, contributed to as well. Uh, this one is called Talk It Out. Uh, I will see you next week. Uh, be safe, be well and be happy.